0: Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today.
2: The Bills humbled the Dolphins on Sunday. Just how high can Josh Allen take Buffalo this year? Also, Justin Fields can't do anything right, even when he does almost everything right. And the Celtics got their man, but at what cost? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today.
3: Searching all major sports. Found.
0: Let's start with the biggest story.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. It was billed as the game of the season, or at least of the early season, and the Buffalo Bills made sure it was, well, that, at least for Bills fans, a 48-20 to 20 Impressive, incredibly impressive showing at home in this one. Joe Marino from Locked on Bills joins me now. And and Joe, I know that, that 48 points and all the fantasy points that this Bills offense put up is going to be the headline for a lot of people. For me, after the Dolphins hang 70 on Denver, holding this Miami offense to 20 points feels like the story moving forward for this
1: team. How did they do it? Yeah, I, I think the defense obviously deserves a lot of recognition for what they did in this game. Held the Dolphins, like you mentioned, at 20 points, only six in the second half. I mean, they scored touchdowns on their first two drives of the game, and you kind of thought this was going to be a blow-for-blow blow type contest, but the Bills' defense tightened the screws. They were able to sack two or four times after he was only sacked once in the previous three games. And I think what it really came down to was a coordinated effort by Sean McDermott to marry the coverage with the rush get Tua off of that first read and force him to process deeper into snaps. And when that happens, there could be some volatility on Tua's side of things. So I think it was a good scheme coverage-wise, a good plan to rush four, but still find ways to overload sides and free up some good one-on-ones. And uh, they certainly had the right plan. They held Waddle and Hill in check and came out of there with a four-touchdown win. Is this replicable? I don't even want to say the word blueprint, but is this replicable, do you think, from the Bills' standpoint? I think there's some critical factors to be mindful of, and and that's continuity for the Buffalo Bills defense, where you look at this back seven, uh, Matt Milano, Taron Johnson, Trey White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer didn't play in this game, but all those guys have been playing football together since 2017. And when you have that much time on task in the same system, your ability to communicate and understand what offenses are trying to do to you and play off of each other is really good. And so I think you're seeing the benefits of continuity guys that have been, you know, had a lot of time on task together, uh, you know, against Miami. They played Miami three times last year. And so this is a pretty, obviously a common opponent and kind of trust your inventory of time together compared to, you know, uh, Mike McDaniel offense. It's outstanding, but it's still only a season and a quarter into it. I think some of the continuity played out for the Bills. All right. We we can't take any more time and not talk about what happened on this offense. Stephon
2: Diggs, six catches for a buck 20 and not one, not two but three touchdowns. Josh Allen also terrific in this game, sort of re-cementing himself in that upper echelon after a bit of a wonky start. Not that uh, for, for me or probably for you he ever fell out of that upper tier, but what clicked for this Bills offense, probably
1: starting last week and carried over yeah. into this week? Well, it's almost like week one was exactly what Josh Allen needed was a little humble pie. He tried to do way too much against the Jets and he's really responded wonderfully over the last 3 weeks and obviously I think this being the icing on the cake 21 to 25 320 five to- total touchdowns he has a perfect passer rating of 158.3 I think he did a really good job of blending being aggressive and doing the dynamic things that Josh Allen does but also playing smart winning football and knowing when to eat the play and uh just play the next one and I think he's done a good job of that over the last 3 weeks and Certainly, that that peaked against Miami, and you know it was kind of interesting to see how he was going to look against Vic Fangio. The you know Josh has had a great run against Miami throughout his career, but that was the Brian Flores Josh Boyer man coverage blitz type defense. Fangio's the opposite of that, and so I was kind of curious to see what type of levers he had ready to pull against Josh Allen, and it looks like more of the same. Probably the best performance Josh has had against Miami, and so uh, playing smart football. Ken Dorsey's in his bag right now as an offensive coordinator, really good pr- protection schemes and. You know, Josh is running the offense and that was what he didn't do in week one. And he's certainly done that since. If you put the opponent scoring of the last three games together, it's 33 points against the Bills.
2: Every single of those three games, they've scored more than 33. So any one of those single performances, they would have beat the three combined total. All of that is a way of asking right now,
1: Joe, should the Bills be the favorite in the AFC? Well, nobody wins a division in Week Four. Nobody wins a conference in Week Four. But I think what it's been has been a nice reminder, I think, to the football community that the Bills are still here. You know, I think coming out of that twenty-seven to ten playoff loss to the Bengals, into you know the disaster that was Monday Night Football, blowing a ten-point lead after you knock Aaron Rodgers out of the game and Josh Allen turns the ball over four times, people started to question what this team was. And it's almost like the best thing that could have happened for them—they were able to settle in, just take it one week at a time, one play at a time, and. Um, you know, they're, they're still in it. You know, they're still one of the best teams in the league and, you know, they still have a lot to prove, right? They haven't won anything yet. They've been to the AFC championship game. They've won playoff games, but the, the legacy component of what this run of bills football is going to be needs to be defined by a Super Bowl championship at some point. Uh, I guess the encouraging thing is you feel like the bills still have the stuff to do it. Stay up to date all year on
2: the Buffalo bills by subscribing to locked on sports today and locked on bills on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, Justin Fields just can't do anything right, even when he does almost everything right. Before we get to that, Taylor Swift was at MetLife Stadium on Sunday night. You may have heard. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets, guaranteed. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads, to player props, and more. Could this be the night Daniel Jones and company get back on track? FanDuel doesn't think so. The Giants are home dogs to the Seahawks tonight. After opening his home favorites, FanDuel likes the Seahawks by one and a half. I have the Seahawks plus one and a half. You can also combine bets within the same game to make even more money. Same game parlays are a great way to enjoy any game. Go get your $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose, now. Visit fanduelcom slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. Fanduel official partner of the NFL.
4: Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Taylor
2: Swift made her way to MetLife Stadium. The Chiefs and Jets also played football, I guess.
0: I'm comfortable with this with this kind of game. Yes, it was tight. I'm sure it was was It interesting for people at home to stay that tight and that that much tension throughout it. But this is the kind of game that I've been waiting for, where you didn't have a choice. You had to man up and run at somebody in order to stop them, especially a front that was that good. And quite frankly, that triggered tonight. That entire Jets front was on top of their game so much so, Will McDonald didn't have to participate because they had Huff. I mean, there was just enough of it going around it. You had to go run it and take the game to him. This was more of a power game than the Chiefs generally are going to show. I for one, and just ecstatic about it, whether it was Pacheco or everybody else. This shows me if they get punched in the mouth, get knocked to the mat, they're gonna get back up and they have that physicality within
2: them. I think we can officially mark the Bengals off the list of AFC favorites. They took another loss and look lost after a brutal, brutal game against the Titans.
3: The Cincinnati Bengals are 1-3, and, and they don't seem to be a very good football team right now. I'm Jake Lisco from the On Bengals podcast, and we will have you covered there with a full reaction to the Bengals' disappointing Week 3 loss in Tennessee. But there is a lot to get right for this football team. You can blame Joe Burrow's calf. You can blame the coaching staff. You can blame the offensive line. You can blame any number of things, but the reality is there's very little going right for this team and their margin for error is essentially non-existent between Joe Burrow's cap and the hole they've dug themselves early this year. For more on the Bengals, we will have you covered on the Lockdown Bengals podcast for a full post-game reaction as we try to figure out what is going wrong with this team and how they can get back on track. Everything went right for Justin Herbert and the Chargers. After jumping out to a commanding 24-7 lead in the first half, the Chargers are able to hold off a furious comeback attempt by the Raiders and pick up their second win on the year 24-17. This is David Rogemeyer from the Locked On Chargers podcast, and Justin Herbert rushed for two touchdowns in this one, 13 of 24, 167 yards, touchdown to Keenan Allen, and his first interception on the year. He also hurt his hand in this game, but was able to stay in the ball game. On defense, Khalil Mack. Had an absolutely legendary performance, six sacks, four QB hits, two forced fumbles. He was a one-man wrecking crew in this one. Uh, Also on defense, the Chargers got a key interception from Asante Samuel, Jr., who was able to get the ball back to Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert called game, hitting Joshua Palmer on a 51-yard completion to set up victory formation. And the Chargers improved to 2-2. For more on this game and for more on the Chargers, please check out the Locked On Chargers podcast, your team every day. And the Jaguars may have righted the ship
2: a little bit in London.
1: The Jaguars win 23-7 in Wembley. I'm Tony Wiggins with Locked On Jaguars with your team every day, and we thank you for making us your first listen. Look, it took a great defensive effort by Josh Allen, who had three sacks and a forced fumble. It took Darius Williams to have a 61-yard interception return for a touchdown. It took um, Andre Sisco to play well and have another interception that stopped a drive by the Atlanta Falcons. And it took a workmanlike effort from Trevor Lawrence, even though they still can't block anybody up front, they found a way to make enough plays when they had to and eat the clock, get first downs in critical moments. And early on, they got Calvin Ridley free for a 30 yard touchdown on the scramble route from Trevor Lawrence. All in all, the Jags in the first week in London of two weeks are uh, now 2-2 and with a 23-7 victory over the Atlanta Falcons.
3: Here is another story you need to know. In a battle
1: that
2: most of us did not think was going to be a battle, or at least not an entertaining one, between the Chicago Bears and the Denver Broncos, it turned into a terrific late-game comeback for the Denver Broncos. And after a near-perfect Justin Fields start, disaster in a 31 to 28 loss lauren cox joins me now from locked on bears and lauren this was for three and three quarters quarters the justin fields game that he needed to have and then there's the end what will you take out of this game
4: that's there's so much to take out of this game Uh, i think for fields specifically you look at sort of this difficult balance between, okay, what is progress from him and what is just a really bad Denver Broncos defense that gave up 70 points the week earlier to the Miami Dolphins. And I think I, I think there's a little bit of both in there, but I think for Chicago Bears fans, we saw Mitch Trubisky do this in 2018 against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he had six touchdowns. And it was like, whoa, there he is. There's the guy. And then of course, turns back into a pumpkin after you stop playing one of the worst defenses in football. So mm. I, I think the takeaways are less for me about anything new with Justin Fields per se and more about this coaching staff and this team blowing a three-touchdown lead against a terrible defense and completely falling apart in a game that just feels absolutely unacceptable.
2: And against an offense that hadn't exactly been lighting the world on fire. For all of the Sean Payton invigoration that some people thought might happen or certainly what Denver Broncos organizationally wanted to happen, Matty Raflus was hired because of his defensive bona fides. They invested in this defense in a major way this offseason. So where
4: are we with the Matt Eberflus experiment? You know, the Chicago Bears have never fired a head coach during a season. But Mm. if there was was, in the entire history of the franchise, they've always waited till the end of a season. But this feels like this feels like the time to do it right. That you had a historic Offensive performance from your quarterback, a, a franchise records, 16 straight completions to start a game, a career high in yards and touchdowns and complete and completions in the game. Like you took a historic offensive performance against a historically bad defense and had a historic collapse in that game. You would think that would be the time for a historic firing of your coach during the season, because I think Bears fans are now, if they weren't already 100 percent out on the Eberflus regime. And especially if you have questions about Justin Fields moving forward, this offseason feels
2: like a blow-it-up moment potentially for Chicago anyway. So it's like, what are you really protecting? The question that I would have for you, Lauren, is their defensive coordinator resigned unexpectedly in the middle, not even the middle of the season, in the first quarter of the season, and their offensive coordinator is the guy that Justin Fields had to call a second press conference basically to say,
4: I wasn't throwing him under the bus. So uh, then what? If you if you fire Matt Iberflus, where do you go? Uh, you hire Jeff Saturday. That's what you do. No, <laughs> no, but like that's the thing, right? When you fire Matt Iberflus, you're not firing him because you think, all right, we're gonna make Getzi or whoever the interim head coach and we're gonna be better, right? The right. idea is not the firing head coach is gonna turn this season around, like it's the team that needs a spark per se. It's about accountability. Like what happens after you get fired or after you fire the coach doesn't really matter all that much. It's it's about the front office or ownership saying this. What we've seen on the field is not acceptable, and we're not going to sit here and let him finish out the season here when what we're seeing on the field is not up to the standard for any team or what we want to set the standard for our football team. So, I mean, I'm all for as much chaos and fun as possible. Fire the offensive coordinator to promote the quarterback's coach to OC, see if you can do some different things offensively, maybe make the special teams coordinator your head coach or go pick a former bear, Brian Urlacher to be the head coach, something like that just for fun.
2: Brian Urlacher has hair now. People people who don't know will be shocked when they see him if, if uh, he makes an appearance on your screen anytime soon. Stay up to date on the Chicago Bears by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Bears on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, did the Celtics get the right deal for Drew Holiday?
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
2: We talked last week about how the Celtics would be a good fit for Drew Holiday, and they did not waste time going to get him. But did they pay too much for him? Locked on Celtics host John Corrales breaks down the trade. You
0: and I, both pretty vocal. There, this was, th- basically, this was, we don't believe Luke Skywalker can hit the exhaust port with, <laughs> in the next wing. We don't think you can do it. And yeah. he was like... I got the force, baby. Brad yeah. Stevens said, "Yeah, I bull ride swamp rats all the time. I'm on it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Brad Stevens going for it. And Brad like, Stevens heard us and just did one at like the Colorado celebration. Yeah. <laughs> like... I, I'm sure he listened, or someone told him about yeah. the podcast. He's like, "Oh, these guys are going to be completely embarrassed." Yes. Uh, but yeah. To be clear, I was. I, I said. The trade was possible if they wanted to do this. I just didn't. I wasn't willing to trade Rob. I no, wasn't. Uh, and then I, I kind of bought into what Brad Stevens was saying. Hey, we had, we had to re, readjust our, you know, balance between the backcourt and the frontcourt. Yeah. Well, y, y, now what's the deal with that? that that's yeah, that, gone away.
2: That is, getting this much for Drew Holiday is proof Of why the Blazers waited to make this deal. They were not going to take the poo poo platter Miami offered. And look what waiting got them. Instead of taking Tyler Hero and that contract and the picks, okay, three unprotected picks or whatever it was, we don't know for sure what that offer looked like. It was nowhere near as good as what they got in this set of trades DeAndre Ayton, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, those are guys who can be a part of your team moving forward, who can help you win enough now with Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons and Shane Sharp that you can be a credible NBA team while these guys put things together. Plus you get the 2024 Warriors first round pick that is top four protected. You get swaps with the Bucs in 2028 and 2030. Who knows what the Bucs will look like then? Plus you get the Bucs 2029 first round pick and you get the Celtics 29 first round round pick those picks who knows what those teams look like those are so far out in the future yeah you if you're in charge of the blazers you might not be in charge of the blazers then but to get this much regardless of whether or not the celtics overpaid for them if you're the blazers you're going this is exactly why we made this trade Because then we get Drew Holiday and we can flip him for all of this stuff. Look at all of this stuff. And when the trade deadline comes around, they've got more assets to move. Malcolm Brogdon, he doesn't really have a place on this team, not long term. Time Lord, yeah, he could be a piece, but he could also be really intriguing for a team trying to go win an NBA title. And now you have more stuff coming to you. It's likely the full trade is still yet to be written because the Blazers can still flip these players to get even more stuff to help them when Scoot and the young guys can be good. And finally, the WNBA Finals features two teams we expected to be there. The so-called super team, New York Liberty, and defending champion Las Vegas Aces will face off beginning October 8th. The Liberty are the only original WNBA team to have never won the title and are coming off five straight losing seasons. New York invested heavily in the roster this past offseason, and it paid off. The Liberty traded for 2021 MVP, John Cole Jones. That was before signing two-time MVP, Brianna Stewart, and one of the best point guards in the league, Courtney Vandersloot, one of the best point guards in league history. It's pretty pretty good offseason. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them Your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports Today, can Bill Belichick really keep sticking with Mac Jones at quarterback? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.
3: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.